Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we this morning? Amen. Well, it's great to be together. I, uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed the video from Eurasia. Uh, it's encouraging to see a, a testimony overseas uh, from a church that we help to support and contribute to. Uh, so you are changing lives around the world. And uh, maybe you were inspired to be a weightlifter this morning. I'm not sure. But uh, it's exciting. I feel like we're here with the, uh, the faithful few this morning. Uh, right? It's uh, summertime. Everybody's going on vacation. Uh, both the Mancinis and the Sages are out of town this morning. Uh, Jamal and Risa, my hand, are on Hope Youth Corps. And uh, so... I'm here to preach. Uh, amen. I, uh, I do want you to know, again, Jamal and Risa, they, uh, they gave Janelle and I a, a break this year to do the, uh, the Dallas Hope Youth Corps. Uh, so they're uh, with the East region this morning. Uh, Jamal's actually preaching there in the East region. And, uh, but very excitingly, the Youth Corps is going to be joining us this Wednesday night for our regional midweek. Uh, so that's exciting. Get to, uh, to have them with us, uh, spend some time with them as well. You can go ahead and turn over in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, we're going to dive in this morning. But before we do, I'm going to say a word of prayer. Father, we come to you this morning excited to be joined together. Father, you are the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. And Father, we worship you this morning. We're we're so, again, excited to come together this morning uh, and spend time with one another but ultimately spend time with you. And Father, I pray that you bless our time together, that this would not be just uh, another church service to, to cross off the list, but Father, that we would connect with you this morning and that we would be able to walk away making decisions that continue to transform our lives into the likeness of your Son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you guys to imagine this morning... I gave each of you a ball of clay. And I want you to imagine that I gave each of you a week to create this image. Right? Mount Rushmore. How many of you think you can make an exact replica of Mount Rushmore? (laughs) Nobody brave enough? I got one hand. You know, I know, right? How many of you would even want to try? It's like, that, that is difficult. But I want you to imagine, again, I gave you a week. Everybody gets a ball of clay. Everybody gets one week to duplicate this sculpture. And the one that gets the closest would win a million dollars. Right now, how many of you would want to try then? Hey, at least give it, give it a shot, right? And you know, I want you to imagine you know, the, the effort and energy you would put into manipulating this clay in order to get it to look like this. Right? You, you know, some of you, winning a million dollars, you may call off work, right? Skip, uh, skip summer classes, uh, hire, hire a babysitter, Right, maybe lose sleep, uh, skip meals, right? All to make this 
ball of clay what you're looking for. And you know, I, uh, I, I'm not sure how many of you have made sculptures before. I'm not a, uh, a sculptor by any means. So I'd have to go online, maybe look up some, uh, some YouTube videos, uh, hire a, a professional to, uh, to come help me figure out how I turn this into that. And, and again, we can spend so much energy pouring into it uh, and trying to get it just the way we want. Why? Hey, because there's a prize. Right? There's something we're striving for. Now I want you to imagine how many of us are willing to go to that length when it comes to strengthening our character. When it comes to molding our character to be like Jesus. And I think the truth is God has given each of us a character that we can mold. You guys with me this morning? He's given us a character that could be molded and shaped and formed just the way He wants it to be. And He's given us the model to follow. Right? He's given us His Son that we're called to shape our character to imitate. And, And as a Christian, the goal of your life it is to duplicate your character to be like Christ. And the truth is that one day, it's going to be held up to that image of Christ and compared to that pattern to see how close we match. And so the title of our lesson this morning is The Character of a Christian. So what is character? Have you ever thought about that? What is character? Character is the core of a person. Character is how you treat those who can do nothing for you. Character is the foundation of success. Character is expressed through your actions. And character is what you do when no one is looking. Right? Your character. What's, what's inside? Right? What makes you who you are? So how is character developed? I love this quote by Rick Warren. It says, God uses His Word, people, and circumstances to mold us. All three are indispensable for character development. God's Word provides the truth we need to grow. God's people provide the support we need to grow. And circumstances provide the environment we need to grow. Are you in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2? Let's see what God's Word has to say about it. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is uh, writing to Timothy. He's urging him to develop a godly character. And and this morning we're going to dive in and examine this passage to see, okay, what tools, what insights can we get to mold our character as well? 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. It says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. 
Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, and the Lord will give you insight to all this. You know, these uh, seven short verses, uh, I believe Paul adequately describes uh, and gives us this image of what the character of a Christian should look like. And by using several different analogies, he's able to, to weave this image together to help us see what our image, or our character rather, should look like uh, trying to live lives following Christ. You know, the traits defined are straightforward, uh, but I think they can be difficult to follow. Right? Uh, they can be difficult to implement into our lives. And so today we're going to focus in on, on the first four verses, verses 1 through 4. Uh, and then next week we're going to focus in on verses 5 through 7. Uh, really, again, looking at what does it mean, what does it take to have the character of a Christian. So the first port th- point this morning is the character of a Christian is molded by grace. The character of a Christian is molded by grace. Again, the first uh, verse there, it says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Being strong in the grace. You know, those two words seem like such a contradiction to me. Right? I'm not sure about you, but... Being strong and being graceful uh, do not usually mix. I think of a lion and a lamb. Right? A lion, strong. Right? A lamb, graceful. You do not usually see those two together. If you do, uh, sparks are sure to fly, right? Uh, Putting a lion and a lamb together usually does not mix. Uh, it's not going to end well for the lamb, right? We'll just put it that way. But again, Paul says to Timothy, be strong in the grace. You know, God's grace has had a strong impact on our lives, has it not? God's grace, I think it gives us the strength to fight against temptations in our lives. And certainly... Sharing God's grace with others takes strength, right? It's not always easy to give someone else grace, right? To, to, to forgive others when they do you wrong. That takes strength. So these two opposites are brought together in Jesus Christ. So be strong in the grace. So why does Paul urge Timothy to be strong in the grace? Well, I think first of all, it's because Paul himself pulled his strength from the grace he received. Right? You look at Paul's life, his life was completely transformed by the grace he received. And he lived his life 
in response to the cross of Christ. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. You guys still with me this morning? You got to let me know you're awake, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, Paul's character, again, was molded by God's grace. In verse 10 it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. He says, No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You know, by God's grace, I am what I am. I love how Paul says that, right? Because I think people saw who Paul was, right? The, the, the way he, he lived his life. He says, hey, I am what I am by God's grace. That's right. And I think hopefully as you're living your life as a Christian, you can walk into your workplace and, and say, hey, hey, I am what I am because of the grace of God. And I think if we're to obtain this character of a Christian, we've got to understand God's grace. And our eyes have got to be continually fixed on Jesus' crucifixion and His sacrifice for our sins. Right? That should give us the confidence we need in our relationship with Him. You know, when I uh, first uh, uh, moved out to go to school, I uh, went to school up, to, uh, up at UNT, and, uh, and I remember uh, that, that day moving into uh, to the house I was living in up there uh, with some other brothers, and my parents uh, helped me, you know, load up the truck and uh, drive everything up. Uh, my mom's helping me get stuff situated in my room, make, it, make sure everything's nice, and get all the clothes in the drawers, and uh, hanging up in the closet, right? And, uh, and it was exciting, uh, but I was also nervous, right? So nervous. Uh, I think overwhelmed with what this would mean stepping out on my own, right? Stepping into the unknown, right? Uh, adulthood, uh, being on my own for the very first time. And, and I do, I remember feeling nervous, a little anxious. Uh, tried not to show it, tried to, tried to act like, hey, I got it all together, but uh, I'll never forget my, my dad, before they uh, left me alone, <laughs> I remember my dad looking at me, and, uh, and he said, Jacob, I want you to know, no matter what happens, you can always come home. No matter what, you can always come home. And, and I remember just that sigh of relief. Right, All my insecurities being pushed aside and being confident knowing, hey, you know what? My dad's got my back. Amen. Having that confidence to be able to step out on my own and make my own decisions. And that's what comes to mind when I think of being strong in the grace. right, And being molded by God's grace. That now I have confidence. I think God's grace should give us confidence in, in several things. The first one is having confidence in our salvation. Amen. You know, no mistake is too big to be redeemed from. Yes. So we've got to have confidence in our salvation. In John chapter 10, verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. 
right? A confidence in our salvation. Another one is is confidence in approaching God. You know, we don't have to be self-reliant, but we can be God-reliant. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us then approach the, the, uh, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Confidence despite our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12, it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? I don't have to hide my flaws or, or my shortcomings. How about confidence in our convictions? Right? Confidence to, to stand up to worldliness and unapologetically defend the gospel. In Titus 2.12 it says, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Right? That confidence. That you know what? I'm not going to give in to the world. I'm not, and, and, and again, it's God's grace moving through us, giving us that strength in our relationship with Him, molding our character to, to be like Christ. Second point this morning the character of a Christian is molded by training. The character of a Christian is molded by training. Again, verse 2 it says, And the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Right? Molded by training. That says teaching, but I, I switched my point on them uh, last minute. But molded by training, right? Molded by teaching. Uh, you know, without correct biblical training, the character of a Christian suffers. And without godly examples to follow, the character of a Christian isn't being taught. It's not being caught in our lives. Again, Paul says, the things you have heard me say. Right? And he wanted Timothy's character to be molded by his example. And Paul does this several times to, to Timothy. Uh, in, uh, he gives him several different reminders. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, again, he says, What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. In chapter 2, he says, remember Jesus Christ, because he was raised from the dead. In the end there, he says, this is my gospel that I'm sharing with you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, he says, you, however, know all about my teaching. 2 Timothy 3, again, at, uh, in verse 14, it says, because you know those from whom you learned it. And uh, we'll put up the uh, verses there in a second on the screen. But, but again, you see Paul, uh, really in his uh, relationship with Timothy, he keeps giving him reminders after reminder. Uh, and, and really helping him to see, Timothy, I'm setting the example for you. Right? I, I'm trying to set this example of what it should look like. And, and so, Timothy, your character should be molded 
by the training and teaching I'm giving you. Your, your character should be molded by this relationship that we have. You know, two significant words that stand out uh, in the Bible uh, are the words seen and heard. There are verses there if you want to, uh, to write those down. But the, the, the words seen and heard. Uh, I, I encourage you to do a, a study in the New Testament over the words seen and heard. It's amazing to, to see the, the lives of the apostles, how they were transformed by what they had seen and heard from Jesus. Right? From what they had observed in Jesus' lives, it, it totally changed their lives uh, and really helped them to turn the world upside down. Let me ask you this. What have you been observing lately? What, what, what things are, are you pouring yourself into? Right? What is, what is the media that you're absorbing? Right? What are you being trained and taught by? Uh, how are you spending your free time? Yes. You know, the music we listen to, the things we watch, uh, the, those things are, we're allowing into our minds, uh, and they can either help us grow or, or really cause us to flounder in our relationship with God. Uh, you guys with me this morning? How about this? How's your time in God's Word? Are you training yourself to be godly? Uh, are you spending that time investing in your spiritual growth? Uh, again, the Christian character is molded by training and teaching. It, it's molded by this relationship with someone else where, where your character is being refined. Come on, right, Jacob. You know, I really call you, look for someone in your life that you can imitate. Right? Look for someone in your life that you can follow intently. Uh, I think uh, for Janelle and I, I was encouraged by our time getting to go to, uh, to ICMC uh, in Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. And we got to spend time with several different ministry couples from around the country. And, uh, and get, we were able to get a lot of insight, um, ask a lot of questions uh, about the successes in their ministry, um, and, and learn things like how to raise up leaders in our campus ministry. You know, learned about how to uh, help college students uh, facing depression or facing anxiety. But it, it was encouraging to seek out that, that input. Uh, seek out that training to, to help us continue to seek and save the lost. You know, again, the character uh, of a Christian depends on being trained. But not only that, uh, it depends on training others. Right, Because when you then turn around and help someone else grow in the relationship with God, it continues to mold your character. You know, what are you entrusting to others? Uh, are you willing to, to pass on what you've learned to someone else? Uh, again, this is something we see with this relationship between Paul and Timothy. Uh, it says, uh, he says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. He tells Timothy, guard the gospel, uh, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help 
of the Holy Spirit. And then we see it with Jesus. I, I love this in Luke 9 when he sends out his, his disciples. He gave them power and authority. Right? He entrusted to them the ministry as he sent them out to go and work. Again, who are you entrusting the gospel to? Uh, are you investing in someone else's spiritual growth? I like this quote from James Baldwin. It says, Children have never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Parents, the example you set at home paints the picture uh, of what the character of a Christian should look like. What you do paints that picture. Right? Are, are you giving them uh, a stick figure or are you giving them the most Mona Lisa? Right? Are, are you giving them uh, a Rembrandt uh, or, or just a fridge drawing? Right? What picture are you painting in the home? The statistics show that, that many young people across the U.S. are leaving the church. And reports say that up to 70% of young adults raised in the church will leave between the ages of 18 and 29. 70%. That's sobering. And I think one of the main reasons that's been cited is hypocrisy within the church. Hypocrisy within the church. Why? Because... The character of a Christian is molded by training, right? It's molded by teaching. It's molded by the example you set, right? If I push this left, it's not going to go right, right? If, if I flatten it out, it's not going to roll back up into a ball. It's only going to do what I tell it to do, right? It's only going to be formed the way I push it. What way are you forming your character? Uh, again, what are you absorbing? What are you pushing into it? And, and how are you passing that on to others? You guys still with me this morning? Third point this morning. Final point. It says the character of a Christian is molded by suffering. The character of a Christian is molded by suffering. Again, in verse 3, it says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Molded by suffering. Uh, I think it's crazy here how Paul calls Timothy, join with me in suffering. Um, That is not a way to endear yourself to someone, right? Join with me in suffering. But I think if anyone knew what it meant to suffer, it was the Apostle Paul. Uh, You look at his example of laying down his life. Uh, You know, right from the beginning when he's called in Acts 9, Jesus tells... Uh, Yeah, Jesus tells Ananias about Paul. He says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
In 2 Timothy 1, says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Paul says, Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. And again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we see uh, how Paul suffered in his life. It says, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Spent a night and a day in the open sea. And he goes on, but at the very end there he says... Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? You know, it's not a matter of if a Christian will go through suffering, but rather when. Right? It's not a matter of if, but when. The suffering is going to come. Will you embrace it? Will you embrace the suffering in your life? And and more importantly, will you allow it to mold your character into that of a Christian? You know, it's not necessarily talking about physical suffering. I think in life we're going to have physical sufferings, right? Cancer, losing a job, losing a loved one. Right? Those sufferings are going to come into our lives, but and I think God allows them to, to really strengthen our character. But I don't think that's necessarily what it's talking about here. You know, Paul had his own thorn in the flesh, right? But he continued to advance the gospel no matter what. And he, he suffered his own uh, battle, uh, again, in the flesh, but he didn't allow that to hold him back uh, from suffering for the Lord. Are you guys with me there? I think there's an important distinction. Um, suffering sometimes is going to come on us uh, through life's trials. But, but Paul says, hey, join with me in suffering. Um, uh, almost like, hey, you need to go looking for it in some ways. Uh, which is crazy to think about. But I think ultimately he's talking about laying down his life for the cause. There's a story about... Uh, about an officer that I want to read to you. It says, On April 1st, 1942, Corporal Desmond Doss joined the United States Army as a conscientious objector, in which he denied carrying a weapon into battle. Instead, he wanted to be an Army combat medic. But his refusal to carry a gun caused him a lot of trouble among his fellow soldiers. They viewed him with disdain and called him a misfit. One man in the barracks warned him, Doss, as soon as we get into combat, I'll make sure you don't come back alive. Likewise, his commanding officers also wanted to get rid of him, viewing him as a liability. Yet while others were taking lives, he was busy saving it. When the cry rang out, On the battlefield, he never considered his own safety. He repeatedly ran back into the heat of battle to treat a fallen comrade and carry him back to safety. All this while enemy bullets whizzed past and mortar shells exploded around him. In May 1945, Japanese troops were fiercely defending their last remaining barrier near Okinawa. 
After, after the company had secured the top of the cliff, the Americans were stunned by a vicious attack. Officers ordered an immediate retreat. Soldiers rushed back down the steep cliff, all of them except for one. Less than one-third of the men made it back down. The rest lay wounded and scattered across enemy soil, abandoned and left for dead. And Doss alone charged back into the firefight to rescue as many as he could before either he collapsed or died trying. His determination and courage resulted in at least 75 lives that were saved that day. And in October 1945, he was awarded the Congressional, Congressional Medal of Honor for his bravery in laying down his life for his country. So brothers and sisters, I've got to ask you, are you laying down your lives in your mission as a disciple of Christ? Are you laying down your life? Are you joining in the suffering as a soldier of Christ? Come on, bro. Okay, what is that going to mean for you? Hey, may mean skipping meals, right? Fasting for the loss. Fasting for your relationship with God. You know, I remember uh, this last semester, uh, my dad asked me to go to a, a Rangers game with him, uh, but I had a Bible study that night, and I was struggling like, man, uh, I really want to go to the Rangers game to, to, to forego this Bible study, but are you willing to suffer to advance the gospel of Christ? Um, so I said, okay, no, no, no Mavericks game. They'll play another night. Now, are you hurting over sin in others' lives? Are you hurting over watching them walk away? Right? You know, maybe you're being persecuted for your convictions. Whatever it is, we've got to remember that we're in a spiritual battle. And suffering is going to come in that battle. You must allow your your character to be molded into that of a soldier of Christ. Again, we're in a spiritual war. In Ephesians 6, it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So therefore, we should not wage war as the world does. You know, what is keeping you from suffering like a soldier of Christ? Paul says it's civilian affairs, right? Civilian affairs, those things in life that keep us from really being committed as a soldier. Those things in life that so often distract us. You know, uh, going out of town on vacation, right, uh, can so easily distract us. You know, Janelle and I, we're, we're getting ready to move. We're getting ready to have a baby. Uh, and, and again, so many distractions, civilian affairs that can throw us off from staying focused on the mission. And I think we get busy with work or school or family functions. Uh, and it's funny because I think we can confuse that for our suffering. 
Right? We can, we can get so busy that we confuse just life's busyness for our suffering. You know, will you be the soldier that continues to run to the fight? Uh, or, or will you stay back? Right? Will you push to the front lines in sharing your faith? Or will you just let others go ahead? Will you boldly call out the sin you see in the lives of those around you? Or, or will you just keep your thoughts to yourself and, and take a back seat? Do you guys with me this morning? You know, as we close down, again, my hope is that you'll, you'll walk away with at least one of these areas to really focus on. Focusing on molding your character to be like Christ. Either by focusing on God's grace, focusing on being trained and training others, or or simply focusing on enduring the suffering of advancing the gospel. But why? Why did Paul go through all that suffering? Why, uh, why Why was he so willing to continue to push forward? Uh, well, it's because Jesus was his commanding officer. Right? Jesus was his commanding officer. Jesus had already set the example for him. So I leave you with these few verses. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to now offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It says uh, in 1 Peter, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. In Philippians 1, it says, For it has been granted on your behalf, uh, or, or it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. In Philippians 3, it says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of of Christ. Right? We're in good company. Right? And so we should continue to suffer. We should continue to push forward and allow our character to, to be molded because of Christ. Right? Because of the example he set in suffering on the cross. And at this time, we'll prepare to take communion. But as we do, again, I call you to reflect on suffering for Jesus. Reflect on the suffering He endured on the cross. And really think about how your character can be molded to be like that. Let's pray.